Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with David Wright about anyone can be successful in creating their own business. David is on a mission to help families around the world change financial direction for the better. He is a former high school teacher who developed a personal budgeting software package called Simply Budgets that sold 30,000 copies. He is a guest writer for Money Magazine. He frequently appears in ABC radio interviews. He's an international speaker on the topic of personal money management. And he is now the founder and CEO of Spending Planners Institute. Hello, David, and welcome to our little conversation. Thank you, Clive. How are you today? Absolutely top of the world. Thank you very much. Awesome. Uh, Anyone can be successful in creating their own business. Now, this is a message I've been talking to people about for a long time as a business strategist and coach. Yeah. How do you think uh, people can get themselves to be successful in creating their own business? I think one word comes to mind, Clive, and that's passion. I, I would never recommend anybody does anything in business unless they are absolutely passionate about it. And if you've got passion, there's not a lot else that you really need. You'll develop the skills that you need along the way, but you've got to have passion. And I'm delighted to hear you say that because I agree entirely. If somebody's trying to do something that they're not passionate about, I've seen so many tears as a result. Yeah. Uh, but uh, those who are passionate about a particular thing seem to float through the world, really. Well, I, I had a mate whose grandmother used to say, boys... If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I think she was absolutely right. Oh, it's a very important thing that uh, it's never work if you, you enjoy it. And you're, as you say, you're passionate about it. It's, it's always easy to get up early and stay up late. <laughs> yep. And later and later and later. <laughs> <laughs> That's sometimes you need to do to get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could tell you a story about that if you... If you, if you want to hear it now. Oh, absolutely. We want to know who you are because uh, yeah. if you, you've figured out, you've, you've obviously figured out something special because you've sold 30,000 copies of Simply Budgets and nowadays uh, a certain book promoting organisation calls you a bestseller if you sell about 30 copies. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm a bestseller. <laughs> um, well, that's not a, it's software, not a book. Does that count? Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Best-selling best software. Well, the story is that um, I was a school teacher working the, you know, the, the crazy hours. It's, I mean, people think teachers work nine to three. Well, that's when you front up to your classes, but there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. But um, I, I decided I'd had enough of that job and wanted to do something else. And I was pretty passionate about this, um, helping people with their finances. And so I'm doing the day job at day and in the night time of creating this product. And I would sit at my computer at 10 o'clock at night when my family had gone to bed and fall asleep within a few minutes. 
because I'd been burning the candle every night for the last, I don't know how long. This went on for six months. I'd fall asleep. I'd wake up at about midnight, often with this noise that was my backspace key running out of things to gobble up on my screen. So everything was gone. <laughs> I would close the document, do not save, reopen the document. And then I would start work because I'd had two hours sleep and I would work and suddenly it would be 4 a.m. And I'd think, oh my goodness, I've got to get to bed because at 6.30, I've got to get up and start another day. And I did that for six months straight. And people would say to me, if they found out what I was doing, are you mad? And I go, no, I'm excited. And, and it was the excitement that, that gave me the, the ability to do that because I, I worked, you know, like from midnight till 4 a.m. every night for six months to create what I was doing because I was excited. And you could, you could see the benefits of doing it. Absolutely. Fortunately, school teachers don't get much spare time that you can't fall asleep at the job because when you're in the classroom, it's just full on. So <laughs> I didn't, didn't need to worry about falling asleep on the job. No, well, of course, there's, there's probably plenty of people in there that would wake you if you uh, showed signs of it. <laughs> yep. Well, I taught woodwork and metalwork, so it was always lots of noise, lots of banging and, and you know, chiseling and stuff. So it was, um, yeah, no chance of falling asleep at the wheel, at the, at the job. No, indeed. That sort of work uh, be too easy to, to have a finger off if you fell asleep there. Mm -hmm. Yep. But as you were helping these people with, with their finances and what have you, how were you going about that, David? Well, I, I guess a little bit of backstory. We had Paul Keating and the recession we had to have back in the late 80s, early 90s. I had a yeah, stay-at-home wife that. and three little kids and I was the sole breadwinner. And every year for 10 years as a school teacher, I got an automatic pay rise. And I'm up to year 10 as all this is happening. We just moved into a new house. I'd locked in for three years at 15% thinking I was clever avoiding the 18%. And after 10 pay rises, I'd worked out that every year when the pay rise came, the excitement didn't come with it or it only lasted a week. And I eventually came to the conclusion that it didn't matter how many pay rises I got, that wasn't the answer to my money stress. Mm-hmm. And I, I would get so frustrated every month when the bank statement came and said, here's what happened last month and here's where you are right now. And I had been an anal record keeper since my very first day at work. I'd recorded in little notebooks every cent that came and went in my life. So the bank statement really didn't give me any surprises. It was more or less a history lesson that, you know, you can't change what's happened. Mm -hmm. But the frustrating thing was... I had this brand new house and a whole bunch of dirt and I wanted to put in lawn and gardens and swings for the kids to play on and a garden shed and all these things I wanted to do. And when the bank statement came each month and said, here's where you are right now. I used to look at that and just scratch my head and go, well, can I afford to buy some plants or some turf or some gravel or some whatever? I don't really know because it doesn't tell me. It just tells me how much I've got. And I want to know, have I got some spare? Doesn't tell me that. So I would go and make these money choices and find out later on that I'd stuffed up. And then I had to go through the pain of dealing with the fact that I'd stuffed up. And I knew I was trying really hard to get it right, but I was getting it wrong. And so one night in desperation, I made a decision. I was going to work out why I was getting it wrong and what I had to do to get it right. And that led me to a solution that totally transformed the way that I managed my money, 
I stopped being a record keeper because looking backwards isn't a great idea when you're moving forwards. And I changed my family's direction. And I got so excited, I started telling work colleagues, friends, family members, you should see this amazing system I've created. And they'd humour me and I'd go around to their place and get out my little computer and spreadsheet and show them and they'd go, wow, can you do that for me? And so I found myself just going into people's homes at night, doing their budgets for them, because that's what I called it in those days. Mm -hmm. And I was changing people's lives and it was so exciting. I saw an advertisement in the yellow pages for it. Like I actually went looking for an accountant because I wanted to get somebody else's opinion of what I was doing. And I found the biggest advertisement in the yellow pages for an accountant at Noosa where I live. And I rang up and said, can I talk to the boss? And somehow or other, I managed to get through to the boss and said, look, I've, I've invented this budgeting system, but I really don't know if I've reinvented the wheel or if this is something new that I've stumbled onto. And he said, well, come on in and show me, which I did. And I took all of about a half an hour and he said, stop there. He said, I want you to come back next week. I'll have my 12 accountants in the boardroom and I want you to show them what you just showed me. So I was pretty excited when I left. I went back the next week, did my presentation and one of his accountants came up to me and said, I'm hopeless at budgeting. Will you come around to my place and do that for me? <laughs> and before I knew it, I'd started a business. And that's, the, I, I just, I got so excited at the thrill of helping people sort out their money problems. And I had two mortgage brokers. I was building some properties at the time and I was dealing with them. I told them about what I was doing and they referred a couple of people to me who gave good feedback. And before I knew it, I had two referrers and I had more clients than I knew what to do with. And weekends and weeknights, I'm going into people's houses doing budgets and it was exciting. So what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. So what was, what was the main thing that people were receiving, achieving as a result of having you help them with their budgeting or budget planning or whatever yeah. it is that you call it now, because you, you moved away from just budgeting. I did because when I said budget, most people they glaze over and think that they, you know, budgeting usually is get rid of all of the, the pleasures in life and just go back to basics. What I was doing was totally different to that. Mm -hmm. and eventually I, I decided to call it spending planning because budgeting has those negative connotations. Yep. But the, the key benefit that people were getting was that their stress would go away. They would be able to sleep at night and they would get more of what they wanted because they were getting more efficiency out of the income that they were earning because they had a plan to follow. And they, they like, you know how at the end of the financial year, you get your group certificate or you used to get group certificates and you go, Oh, look, you weren't X amount of dollars last year. And you go, Oh, where did it all go? You know, yep. but I was able to show people their future and say, you pick the future you want rather than look at it at the end of the year and say, oh, did we really earn that much? Where did it all go? We'd, we'd look into the future and go, all right, what are the things that you want to have happen? And I'll give you the bank statement in advance for the next year that tells you how to get what you want, follow the numbers. And it was just so empowering. And I just got, such a thrill from helping people do it. So that's how I got started. It, it's sounding like this is something that it, it's uh, no big deal. Anybody can do it. 
Well, I sold 30,000 copies of the software and I know that probably a third of those people got it out of the box, used it and got the result. And I know that a whole bunch didn't get it out of the box and use it, um, which is frustrating. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of the main reasons why I changed my business model because selling people software that had everything that they needed and then having them not use it, not even open it, just wasn't, wasn't pressing my button. It wasn't what I wanted for them. Yeah. And so we eventually changed the business model to be, I realized that people needed a person to help them, A, to make it happen, B, to explain anything that they didn't understand. And then when they had the plan, to give them some accountability to, to stick to the plan for a while until it became a habit and they didn't need somebody sort of looking over their shoulder anymore. So that's kind of the direction that I took the business in from selling software to having service providers all around Australia and hopefully the world. So you, you haven't quite gone um, global yet? <laughs> well, I do have a spending planner in the States and I've got two in New Zealand and I've got about a hundred in Australia. So I'm oh, working we'll on that international David. Well, I guess it is. I guess it is. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Let's go there. But the important thing you mentioned there was that anybody could do it, mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of people needed some help. It, well, it, that's, it, rocket science is simple to a rocket scientist. Everything in the world is simple when you know what you're doing, but you know, we get tied up in our, our day to day routines. You know, we get up, we go to work, we drag ourselves through that and the kids when we get home and there's, there's so many demands on our life that even things that you want to do, like you'll say, oh, I should do this and I should do that. Or, you know, one day I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But a lot of the things, those things don't happen because you, you need something to make it happen or someone to make it happen. And so many people live a life that isn't what they wanted. And at the end of it, they can look back and go, well, why didn't I do more of this and more of that? And it, you, know, you just get caught up in the day-to-day -day grind. And so it is simple. It's really simple. You know, money's not difficult at all, but it's not necessarily easy. And, and the easy is about, you know, how easy is it to actually make it happen, as I see it. Yeah, so it's understanding certain behaviours. Yeah. And turning those into a habit rather than having the habit of doing stuff that takes our money. Yeah. Well, actually it's interesting, you know, because I've got this theory and I think it's almost proven. A lot of people will go to work five days out of their, their week and they, maybe they don't hate their job, but having to go to work and do the whole nine to five grind isn't a lot of thrill, especially if they don't really love what they're doing. And so come the weekend, it's like, what can we do? to make ourselves feel good so we can face another week at, at you know, the next five days at work. And so they're at the shopping centers, they're at the movies, they're spending money all over the place on the weekend to try and get a feel good that makes them feel good enough by Sunday night that they can face up to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, which is stressful because they've got money stress in their life. And what I've discovered is that when we take someone by the hand and go, let's do a spending plan for you, and get your finances in order so that you've got a plan and you can see light at the end of the tunnel, they get so excited that they don't need to go shopping on the weekend to get the feel good because they can see that everything's going to be okay anyway. So there's a double whammy. There's, there's a, a, a benefit 
that they never expected because they spend less when they know that they're going to be okay. Does that make sense? Indeed it does. And uh, it's something that a lot of people experience that not knowing what's ahead, they, they are fearful and, and looking for quick fixes, as you point out. Uh, the, the shop, well, retail therapy, I think it's called. It's, that's, it, that's it in a nutshell, yep. And um, it's, it's not essential to be happy. As you say, if you've got a plan, yep. uh, you can see what's going to happen. You know you're going to be okay. All of a sudden, the world is different and, and behaves differently. And, yep. and your software obviously helps to maintain that position. It just gives people the ability to see what they can have and what they, they you know, everybody, everything in life is about choices. No one can have everything. You know, not even Richard Branson or Rupert, whoever, you name any, any you know, high profile, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy person. Nobody gets to have everything they want. It doesn't matter what level you get to, you can always dream bigger. And so it's really all about being able to go, okay, so this is what I can have and I can choose the things that I decide to go without for the time being, and I can make these things a reality. And when I look at that, I can actually take that holiday or I can buy that car or you know, do that thing that I wanted to do. And here's when I can do it and it's gonna be exciting. And it just, I don't know, it, I've had people, I had one woman tell me, my first contact with her, she told me I haven't slept one night in two years because of money stress. Mm -hmm. and one week later, I'd taken her through the process and she said, guess what? Last night I slept through for the first time in my life because I can see light at the end of the tunnel. Isn't it amazing what a, uh, what a seemingly small change can make to a person's outlook? Yeah. yeah. And look, it's so easy to get depressed about it because, you know, when you've been living with debt and stress and debt and stress, you can sort of get to the point where you go, well, this is all there is. You know, and no one ever taught us at school any, any other way. So we just sort of, we learned that you've, you've went to work and you got paid, you could spend it and then you'd go back into work and get paid and you could go and spend it. And that's kind of the model that most people grow up with. So, Yeah, and most of us learned it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned as you started your, your business, you were working well, we'll say silly hours. There's other words we could use. Yep. And you're burning the candles at both ends and a bit in the middle as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've obviously had some struggles to get to, to where you are now. But what would you say to someone who feels they have an idea for a business, but they're not sure they can make it work? If they're not sure they can make it work... I mean, I wasn't really sure whether I was going to have a business or not. I was just really excited because I loved helping people. And so my advice then would be, well, go and have a go at it. Because you don't want to end up in that box at the end of your life with the question just going out of your brain that I wonder if I could have made that work. You know, and I remember I had an offer from an, a brother he said, come and join him with my business, you know, and he had a pretty good business. And I was very, very tempted. It would have made a big difference in my life, but I couldn't do it because I just, I wanted to know whether I could be successful at this idea that I had, this passion that I developed, mm -hmm. and I just had to see it through. So my advice would be, if, if it's something that you can see yourself getting really excited at and you, you're passionate about it and you're not sure, 
have a go at it. Have a, just give it a crack. As See they say in football terms, put it out on the park. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's probably another way of saying it. Have a go. Because you never know. I mean, what if, what if it works? You know, like how exciting would that be? And if it doesn't work, well, what I reckon is if something doesn't work, it's probably not entirely wrong. There'd probably be some element of it that's not quite right. Tweak it, dust yourself off, get back up and have another go. Good advice, I think. If uh, you're keen on something and it's not quite working, pay attention to what it is that's not working. And maybe that little tweak is enough to change it so that it will work. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, the reason that things don't work is because you get in your own way. People will go with his energy. Just like moths get attracted to a light bulb, people get attracted to energy. And if you're enthusiastic and energetic, even if you haven't got the best, I mean, let's, I I don't know if I should mention, there's a certain brand of hamburger. And Mm -hmm. if I mentioned the name of this particular fast food outlet. Perhaps we won't. (laughs) And I said, do they make the best hamburger in the world? everybody would jump in and say, absolutely not, but it's a really successful business. So that kind of goes to prove that your product doesn't have to be perfect. So long as you've got a product and it's a good product and it does what you say it will do, the biggest part of it is, the exci- is, is, is getting excited, the energy and the, you know, because um, people will go with his energy. And if you're enthusiastic and excited, people want to know what's going on. As a school teacher, there was one word that could get a thousand kids on the oval in under a minute. It was the word fight. Because <laughs> there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm in a fight and people are attracted to energy and enthusiasm. <laughs> so that's my hot tip. Just be energetic and enthusiastic. Yeah, very good. And uh, and fight for the right way of doing it rather than fight with anybody else. Yeah, yeah I'm not suggesting people go and have a fight to attract people, no. <laughs> what would you say, David, to someone who is thinking of buying someone else's business because it's already established and successful? Risky business is what I would say. Unless it's a business that you are so excited and enthusiastic about and you just wish that you thought of it first and it's come up for sale and you've gone, yes, this is what I wanted to do all my life. This is, if it's because it's a safe, secure thing that looks like it's going really well for somebody else and you'll have to learn all about it, think twice. Because you aren't the person who's running the business who made it successful and you've got different skills, different characteristics, different likes and dislikes and unless you you yeah it's just risky to me and i know that because i've been there and done it and failed and essentially it's back to what we were talking about initially it's do you have a passion for it yeah you know i i bought a a saddlery because i had a daughter who's crazy on horses and i thought okay this will be a good thing i can make this work and it wasn't my passion. In fact, I don't really like horses that much at all, but my daughter did. Um, and I lost a lot of money out of that experience. So I, I know firsthand that it's really dumb to buy somebody else's what looks like a successful business because unless you are prepared to, to put in those crazy hours and put in the energy and enthusiasm and live that, that life, don't do it. 
And so along, along with learning that, you also learned a, a thing or two about princesses. Princesses? Your princess liking horses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, now she's got two daughters who are mad on horses and she's living that, where do I get the money to, to keep this habit going routine? So um, <laughs> I, there's a bumper sticker that says, um, the definition of poverty is owning a horse. The definition yep. of abject poverty is owning two horses. So abject poverty. So, um, <laughs> but you know, horse horse lovers are they're passionate about their horses. So, uh, I thought that was the reason why it would be a good business to get into. But I wasn't passionate about it. Horse owners were passionate, but I wasn't. And that's no, the difference. You, you, uh, you certainly have to look to that passion and make sure that it's it's well placed and it's yours. You're absolutely right. Yep. 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 <laughs> So that's, that's my, my hot tip there. Don't do it unless you can absolutely see yourself being passionate and putting in the hours. You know, if you feel like you're being ripped off because you're there at 6 p.m. when everybody else went home at 5 p.m., don't even start. Don't go there. That's right. You've got to be prepared to go that extra mile, as they say. Yep. What would you say is the biggest personal benefit from starting and building your own business, David? Oh... You know, as a school teacher, as a wage earner, you go to work, you come home, you get paid. Hopefully the job will be there for as long as you want it to be there. And let's assume that the job's secure. You're basically at somebody else's beck and call. The upside is that when that whistle blows or whatever it is that says that it's knockoff time, if you're lucky, you can just forget about it as you walk out the door and think about everything else that interests you until you walk back in the door tomorrow morning. That definitely wasn't the case for school teaching. But you've got to put up with every crazy idea and every, every silly thing that the person above you tells you you've got to do, whether you know it's dumb or smart or, or anything else. And the amount of money you can earn is pretty much decided by some wage accord or whatever. But when you start your own business, as I see it, you, you get the, the, the good and the bad. And, and the bad, you know, people from the outside looking in would go, okay, so you worked from midnight till 4am every night in a row for six months. That's bad. But I thought that was exciting. So, you know, you've got the upside is that you've got the potential to earn a whole lot more money, but it's not about the money, or I didn't find it was about the money anyway. It's the personal satisfaction of thinking, I created that, I get to make the decisions, I can decide whether it goes this way or that way. And I, I get burnt if I go the wrong way and I learn, you know, go the other way. It's the personal satisfaction as, as well. And hopefully the money. I mean, I know a lot of people in business aren't making any money and they'd be better off going and getting a job. But it's, it's the, and it's the freedom. You know, this afternoon, my three-year-old grandson came around. I downed tools and I played with my grandson because I could. You know, it's, it's just, the freedom to, to be successful or to fail, the, success, the freedom to do what you want to do when you can, and the ability to not have to take somebody else's crazy ideas and do what they're telling you to do, even if you think it's dumb. More of those choices that you were talking choices. about earlier. That, uh, when, when it's yours, you get to choose, and uh, everything stops with you. And you, you live and die. <laughs> you live and die by your choices, Absolutely. <laughs> it's good for uh, providing a little clarity to the mind. Yeah. 
And, you know, like I, I can't, I've had high highs and I've had low lows and I've, I've had tears. You know, I've reached a point at one point where I said to my wife one morning, you know, we can't pay the bills and there were tears. And it, you know, it's like, looks like I just have to walk away because, you know, it looks like I've failed at this. But even though I said, okay, well, I'll have to walk away to go and find a job. And it was a pretty depressing thought. There was something in me that was like, I'm not done yet. I, I can't walk away from this. It, it, even if I'm saying, my mouth is saying, I've reached this low point and there is no money and it doesn't look like what I'm doing is, is working. I had customers who I needed to, or wanted to look after. I had, I had things that I'd done that I'd put in place that were automated, that were doing what they were doing. And it was like, yeah, okay, well, I, I'll need to do something else, but I can't not be doing this. And so it just, I just kept going. And I think the local chamber of commerce had this mentoring program going and I, okay, well, maybe I'll check that out. And so I got this mentor with the local chamber of commerce and he asked me a bunch of questions and made me feel really stupid. <laughs> and I did a right angle turn and I changed direction. And it was that yeah, simple. So it, and it all started to work. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like I, I think I probably was wearing 13 different hats at one point in time in my business, yep. which was just plain stupid. But, and I, I think there was a bit of history in that because I started part-time. I, I had to teach myself how to do everything, but there's a real danger in that because if you teach yourself to do everything, you end up doing everything. And then it's like, well, where do you, how do you get to the point where you let go of something that you've been doing because you taught yourself how to do it and let somebody else take that over to free you up to do more important things or maybe to have some downtime? Yeah, it's interesting how we own things that we've actually learned how to do and think that we're the only person that can do it. And, and yeah, and we have to do it our way, whether yeah. it's the right way or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he asked me some questions and I, I just went, okay, that's embarrassing. And they were simple questions. And then I went, All right, within a couple of months, I'd bank 20 grand, or no, a couple of weeks, I'd bank 20 grand and I'd gone from being, I can't pay my bills. Yeah. That was how quick, the turnaround was, and it was there all the time. I just didn't see it, couldn't see it until somebody else gave me the, okay, what are you doing and why are you doing it that way? And have you ever thought of doing something different? Why, have you ever done this? And I said, no, but lots of people have asked me about it. So why haven't you done it? And I, I, it was embarrassing how stupid my response was because <laughs> I said, oh, I'm, I, I'm afraid that if I do that, you know, if I trained someone else to do what I've been doing, which was really the question he asked me, had, had I thought yep. of training other people? And I said, well, you know, I, I seem to have come to a point where I don't know how to make this work anymore. What if somebody else fails? And his question to me was, and what if they are better at it than you? And I, that just totally stopped me in my tracks. And I've got to tell you that I've trained people who are way better than I ever was at doing budgets, spending plans for people. Mm. Um, and the benefit, and his next question was how many people have missed out on what you've created because you're afraid that people might fail. And it was just like, he slapped me around the face. And I've got to tell you that now I have this collective of 
you know, a hundred plus spending planners and the, the talent and the skills that are in amongst those hundred people, the, the whole thing is so much bigger and so much better than it ever was with me being the control freak at the driver's seat. You're funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I ring up my spending planners and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or how, how do I go about that? Because I know that particular person is better at that particular thing than me or, or their input would be most valued because I can bounce ideas off them and know that what they bounce back at me is, is quality opinion. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, an excellent tip that you've got. And of course, uh, this is the point of the business conversations that we're having. Yeah. Notwithstanding that was pretty dashed good, what's the best tip you've received from a business conversation? Don't try to do it all yourself, which is what we were just talking about. Get rid of the hats that somebody else could do. Stop trying to do it all on your, on your own and stop being the hero and that bring other people in. And I know when you're starting out on a business, you know, you don't probably have the, the money to be employing other people, but that your goal has to be from the word go to create something that will run without you. And, and if you're an integral part of it and you stop and it stops, well, then you really don't have a business. You've just created a, a very labor intensive job for yourself. Yes. That's a very important point. The, uh, uh, a business needs to be able to run uh, without the particular person, even the person who actually created it. Yep. And look, I, I'm, I've still got lessons to learn. I don't think you ever stop learning and I've still got to take that advice. I've still got to tell myself, stop trying to do it all yourself. But you know, that's, I know about that now and I'm, that's the end goal to be, and I, I'm going to walk away for a month in a, in a, oh, about a month's time. I'm just going to take a holiday for a month. And I know that everything will keep ticking while I'm away. And yes, I'll probably have the temptation to want to sort of ring up or jump online and see what's happening. But all the systems are there um, for me not to need to be there. So that's... There you know, you'll, you'll have to be brave, David. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it all yourself. <laughs> Don't try to do it all yourself. You'll, you'll end up limiting it. And yeah, value the input from other people. Bring other people in because as soon as you can, very good. And we, look, we might have already talked about it, David, but what's the top piece of advice you'd like to leave listeners with today? Well, I started with, you've got to be passionate about something. And if, you know, if you're sort of forcing yourself into, oh, I want to start my own business. What will I, what will I do? Oh, I don't know. You know. That's not how you start a business. You start a business because you've got a great idea and you think I can make this work. And I don't, I don't think I've met too many people who haven't said at some point in time, oh, someone should invent such and such, or someone needs to come up with a solution to so-and-so. You know, we all see problems and problems aren't problems, they're opportunities. There are problems everywhere around us that are just opportunities for solutions that you can turn into a business. And the world's changing at such a rapid pace that there's an opportunity born every day because some new thing happens and something, you know, like people, perfect example, Apple came out with the iPhone. Okay, that's great. People dropped their iPhones and broke the screen. Somebody created a business replacing screens. Somebody else created the business making little covers that you could slip around your phone so that the screen wouldn't break. You know, new things lead to new things. And there are opportunities there all the time. So if get excited about 
the possibility that you might actually have the ability within you to have a dream and to make it come true and then go for it. And nobody gets a gold medal without a coach and a trainer and a dietitian and a, you know, a manager and a blah, blah, blah. So don't try and do it on your own. Talk to Clive, talk to, talk to a business. And that was a, an unpaid plug, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank just, you though. <laughs> just thought it was appropriate. Um, yeah. And, and look, you often people will go into business with their best friend because they feel like then they've got someone on the journey with them. There's real danger in that. You need to know how it's going to end when it starts, if you're in business with family and or anybody for that matter. But yeah, make sure that you have somebody on your team as soon as possible who has already been successful before you. Uh, very good advice, David. And as we're coming to the end of this, most importantly, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Okay. So, all right. Um, I spending spendingplannersinstitute.com is my website. And so I've created this body, which I've created a new industry, um, you know, between financial counseling and financial planning lives about 80% of the population who don't feel like they can afford to invest this week or last week or next week. So they're not thinking I should go and see a financial planner, but they're not eating out, you know, sleeping in the gutter and eating out of the, the local charity bin. So who is, who's there for them? And I, I've created that industry. So spending planning, you know, we're, we're just green and growing, but spending planning is the business that is the profession that will fill that void. So I guess I've got a message for two different kinds of people, if you like. There, there are those people who feel like I earn good money, but there never seems to be anything left over for me. And I just can't work out why that they would benefit greatly from having a spending plan to look after them. Or, you know, if we're talking about somebody who thinks I'd like to start my own business and I'd really feel like I'd love to help people fix their money stress and they've got a passion for that, maybe they're a mortgage broker or a financial planner or, you know, they're already in the finance industry in some way, um, but they're a little frustrated with all of the red tape and all of the, you know, there's so much stuff going on in financial business circles at the moment. And I'd like to get into some clear space and, and the, the Spending Planners Institute is probably someone that they should come and talk to. So spendingplannersinstitute.com is a really great place to, to find me. There you go, David. This has been absolutely excellent having a chat. And oh, uh, I think it's a conversation that, as, as you point out, 80% of people fit into the area where they could talk to you. I'd suggest to all of those people listening, whether you're in business or not, uh, get hold of the Spending Planners Institute, have a chat, have a conversation about how you can do better with whatever level of money it is that you have. As, uh, as David's been telling us, uh, you can grow it. You can make it more and you can make it deliver what you want. David, thank you. And uh, I think at some stage we better get you back because I can see there's going to be a lot of people calling and saying, can we have David back? <laughs> I, I, well, am I passionate about what I do? I think that's fairly obvious. And I, yeah, I, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come on. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully I've given quality information for your listeners to take away and um, that they'll be able to get something out of it. 
Uh, it's been an excellent conversation. Thank you very much, David. Thank, thanks a lot, Clive. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.